Hello and welcome to Leadership, the Future and Tea, a podcast hosted by Andy Davis featuring Ian Moffat, Deborah Hartung and Hitton Bat, a podcast for people who are passionate about making a difference at work. Welcome everybody to Leadership, the Future and Tea and this episode is about servant leadership and today I'm joined by Ian Moffat and Deborah Hartung. How are you doing? Great, thanks Andy. Yeah, doing good. Thanks, Andy. Hey, good stuff. Good to speak to you both. Um, it looks like Hiten's not with us today, so we're, we're going to get started on this. And uh, let me tell you, that, that every week that we do this, we pick a different topic. And uh, some of these challenges in different ways and uh, our current understanding or our current approaches to work. And this was no different. So servant leadership, um, for those who haven't come across this before, this is something that uh, Robert Greenleaf uh, coined in about 1970s, call it 77 with his book. Um, and just in a, in a real nutshell, OK, it's about a leadership philosophy. And the main goal of that is about the leader being a, a servant of the rest of the team. OK, now uh, it's very different from traditional leadership models as well. And we're going to touch on this later on. But what I just want to do for, for those that don't understand the background to it is just explain a little bit. And in this, what I want to just cover off is literally the first couple of paragraphs of his book. And where this came from was he, uh, Greenleaf actually went away and read Hess's Journey to the East, which was a book from the 50s. And what he talked about in there was uh, this group of people who were on this journey out into the East and they'd been sponsored by a secret order. And this guy, Leo, was the servant amongst all of this. But um, uh, Leo was more than just a servant. He supported people. He looked after them. He was kind of their inspiration. He was their their sort of even a, a you know dancing and music and keeping them entertained. But he motivated people, and he had this extraordinary presence. Now, eventually, Leo left the group, and it was only when he left the group that the group started to disintegrate. And at that point, they abandoned the journey. Years later, they went back to the secret order and realised that Leo was the leader of the secret order, and what he was doing as the servant was actually leading the group. Hence, servant leadership. Okay, now that's a, a, a nutshell. Guys, have you still got me so far? <laughs> we're here, we're here. <laughs> You're here with me, right, great. So I just want to go through that because that actually is probably one of the key pieces of learning about servant leadership that people need to know about, I think. Okay, um, now that's what we're going to discuss today. So, uh, and we're going to leave you some with some resources as always, so you can go away and read this properly for yourself. Uh, but enough of me, I want to kind of bring in Ian at this point and say, Ian, I know you've been reading about this. So what does servant leadership mean to you? Uh, uh, yeah, thanks, Andy. And um, out of all the ones we've done so far, and we've done a few, um, it really was tricky. It really, really was tricky because this is this has really got under my skin. Yeah. Um, because uh, fundamentally, and I'll come, come to this as we, we kind of go through, um, is kind of really questioning your motivations behind some of your behaviours, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, uh, and why you're doing it. So a little bit of scene setting, not to, not to uh, I don't want it to be too obvious, but, you know, people are already up to speed with this subject. But for me, um, read a few books on it in the past, back up to speed with a recent book, which is my resource for the day. Um, and then and then my own experiences. Right. So there's a piece there. Just the starting point. There's a piece around knowledge. Yeah. yeah? There's a piece around um understanding through the experience of you know dealing with different types of leaders yep. that have led me over the years um that's right yeah and uh, so it's kind of in the heart of it you know so head heart and then i was kind of looking at this and i was going oh you know what this is really bad this is really really bad because 
I'm rereading this and it's really actually the principles are really simple, but I haven't made it habit. I haven't yeah. absolutely made this habit. Why haven't I made this habit? Because I feel quite strongly about it. And there's a big difference between knowing something and talking about it and actually the actions that you follow through on. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. definitely. Yeah, I'll go with that. Completely. So, so, so that, that for me, I've been questioning myself, uh, you know, sort of every night for the last week and a half or when, as I kind of got into this. Uh, yeah. So I've got a really good resource at the end, which I'll leave people okay, with. Good. But um, so the good news, first, first thing, I think the principles of servant leadership are really, really basic right and i actually think they're really natural which is why i've been kind of a bit conflicted thinking why haven't you made this into a habit <laughs> um and it's actually established over a significant amount of time because if you start to extend out the principles of it they go back to socrates and various well-established religions that are at the periphery of this because you know you could you could articulate this as i want to lead people the way i'd expect to be led Sure. I just want yeah. to treat people the way I'd be expected to be treated. So there's some pretty long-term uh, pieces there. Where I got to, uh, first and foremost, is just to kind of distill this down into probably four attributes, which yeah. have got, you know, polar opposites, which I'd like to just lay out and then just give <coughs> some illustrations, if that's okay. Okay, yeah. yeah. Um, so so there's, it, I've kind of articulated it down to, distilled it down, sorry. Yeah, to sure. four kind of um, key dimensions which have got sort of polar opposites, right? Yeah. And the reason I do that is to then work out where you are on that, um, which kind of lets people understand your behaviours, right, when you're yeah. leading. So the first is power versus authority. Yeah. Um, the second is control versus influence. Uh, the third is task versus relationship. And the fourth, and I think a really important one, is wants versus needs. Okay, and I'll, get, and I'll, get, I'll give you an example, right? And these are, you know, textbook type examples. If you if you think about authority with no formalized power, yeah. Well, look at Gandhi. Yeah, yeah. Cool, fair point. Great. One. Uh, Martin Luther King. These are obvious. What about Greta Thunberg? They are right? an interesting one. That's twenty first century, isn't it? If you think about the 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 authority that she has with no power whatsoever. But then if you start to, you know, walk down through that and you think about the influence mm. um, and you think about that what she's dealing with is dealing with our needs, not necessarily our wants, you know, I think that's quite an interesting sure. one. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. and then the other reflections I've had is if you think about how much modern leadership in the political sphere without getting overly political um, is about satisfying the wants of the populace. Right, as okay. opposed to the needs and, and the differentiation I would make there is that, you know, the needs are about balancing out in the longer term what is best for people, not necessarily right. what's yeah. in the immediate yeah. wants. Right. Yeah. So um, let's look at the other ones. Let's look at the dimension of control and influence. You can control people. That's cool. what you want to do. You can control yeah. people, but you've got a time frame around that. Um, mm. So so one of the principles I like is this idea that we're all essentially volunteers. We all have a choice. To work there or not to work there, to work at all or not to work, um, and and essentially we are volunteering to continue working at a certain place, and how much of our effort we contribute to that as well. So the idea of you know uh, control as yeah. opposed to influencing people is going to have a significant impact in the long term about people's uh, voluntary contribution while they are at work, and I think that's quite important. Sure. So um, let's let's kind of wrap this up in a minute 
um, you know, the final thing I would say is that um, if you have too much focus on task and not enough on a relationship, again, you can see that retention is mm. going to be a problem. So what it means to me, um, I think servant leadership is there's some really good, fundamental, natural, easy to understand principles there. Um, yeah. And what it means to me is that I have to continually remind myself to do it because um, I've got an immense responsibility as a leader. Okay. Yeah. Uh, you know, there's responsibility and accountability to meet the needs of my people, right? Mm. And and as a leader, that's when you talk about meeting the needs, that's meeting the needs of our employees, of our customers, of the wider community, society environment. That's, there's a bigger agenda and scope there for leadership today. So, so I, I think, as I say, coming back to my first point, I think I would like to think that all of my leadership decisions have in them somewhere a mix that says, well, how would I like to be treated in this situation? And that's, that's the thing I'm trying to practice. That's a nice question to ask yourself, isn't it? And, and you know, for me, you know, what servant leadership means is about that leadership is moving away from the, the one dominant decision maker into a, a more shared leadership. Um, and it's about uh, managing the information system rather than actually uh, sitting there effectively as a task coordinator. Yes. Uh, Deborah, Deborah what, what's your take on that? So I agree 100% with, with both of you, but I don't entirely agree with Ian when he says um, to treat people the way that you would like to be treated. All right. The okay. key for me is to treat people the way that they would like to be treated. Right, okay. And the distinction for me there from a personality perspective and mm. just in terms of how we all work, you know, um, I might be fine with Ian, you know, as, as my, my boss um, being very direct and, you know, because I'm the same way, but then you get people who are not very direct and almost take it as a personal attack and you've got to change your approach a little bit. So it's yeah. almost a little bit about situational leadership and it's about treating people the way that they want to be treated. And, and I talk about this, um, and here's a shameless plug, I talk about this in, in my book, Talent Liberation, which is um, the fact that I think we, we've all gone wrong. Yeah. And Ian, you know, you've spoken about it now, and you've almost wanted to blame yourself for it. But it's really not your fault. It's, it's society as a whole's fault. Um, the origins of servant leadership, and you look back at it in terms of religion and, and all of these other things, and leading without a title and serving mm. people and, and helping them and being of service, where it all went wrong is when we brought profit into the mix. Because suddenly we all became slaves to the corporate machine and to profit and to the fear that goes with the ever lingering threat of losing our jobs. Yeah. And what that's done is it's caused us to, you know, at the core of your being, you might be a servant leader. And, and I know that you are, Ian, and so are you, Andy, um, because you do put your people first. But you're also a commercial leader and you have shareholders to answer to. And you, that's going to cloud some of the decisions that you're going to make and some of your behaviors, unfortunately. But the fact that you know about that is your power right now. So I'm just And you going can change to, it. Yeah, I'm going to add on to that, that uh, for me, one of the, the real fundamentals about servant leadership is that um, the greater leader is seen as the servant first. Now, that, that's going to really be difficult for some leaders to swallow, okay? That, that probably 
strikes at their very um, uh, ego uh, about a title yes. or a position. OK, yeah. so uh, so that's going to be a challenge for some people. But uh, and so does the term servant leadership. Um, interestingly, yes. about three weeks ago, only three weeks ago, when we agreed to actually do this subject on the <laughs> on the podcast today, uh, the following day, there was uh, somebody on LinkedIn that really challenged the term servant leadership mm. because they just dismissed the, the notion of it. They dismissed the, the, the title. That was the bit that yeah. really, really lit their fire. Uh, and it, so it was an interesting discussion that took place there. But for me, the the, the absolute basis of it, um, and I'm going to come on to this later on, is about servant leadership actually creates growth and autonomy. OK, because yeah. actually those two things, once you start setting those as your benchmark and you support people and you every day strive for better growth and better autonomy within your business, actually you you've changed your business model that's that's one of the core things so so um let, let's let's shift on from uh, about what this uh, what this means to us because i think that and we we discussed this in just before we start press record yeah. and we said that we could probably do several of these episodes as well yeah. because there's so many takes on them but deborah come and help us out here a minute right whereabouts do you see this actually happening at the moment where is servant leadership being made real I think that we see it more and more and as much as we're all frustrated by this pandemic the fact that people aren't co-located anymore is yeah. kind of to an extent forcing um, managers at work to actually be a little bit more hands-off and give people a little bit more autonomy and starting to realize that you know me being at home with dogs and children and a husband you need to give me the freedom to work the way that's going to work for me. Correct. Um, you know, not the way that was always going to work for you, which is having my bum in the seat, you know, under your nose, as it were, between eight yeah. and five. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think people are seeing we're we're like four months into this remote working thing now globally, and the world hasn't fallen apart because that's people right. aren't yeah. in the office at eight o'clock, you know? Yeah. So we're seeing it everywhere. And I think there's been a couple of examples. And what I'm enjoying seeing is, you know, agile methodology. Um, mm -hmm. and, and you guys will know this at MHR and People First when you look at the dev teams because they do the daily stand-ups. We can learn a lot from the way that, that guys who work and, and use agile methodology from the way that they actually um, work. And there is a role of, of an agile coach and there's the role of a scrum master. And what these people do is effectively servant leadership. They listen, they they sit back, they, you know, they they're like, how can I help you? What's getting in your way right now? Yeah. How can I how, how can I help you resolve it? Mm. Um, and they don't give you the answers because most of the time they don't have the answers. You have the answers within you. And I think, you know, you touched on it now that the so many people find the term so offensive um, yep. because it does kind of grate against their ego. But I think what we need to to realize in, in more modern terms is it's almost if we had to modernize the term, it's almost leader as coach. You know, the coach doesn't run the race for you. They mm -hmm. just help give you the tools and help you discover your own greatness and help you become better. I, and I, I love the leader as coach. I might I might challenge that and say i think i think it's different to coach i think it's more akin to project manager because uh i think the whole thing of removing the blockers providing the resources uh expanding the skills providing that bit of knowledge at the point it's needed 
I, I think uh, I, well, maybe it's a mixture of those two things. Now I'm thinking about it. I do see a bit of coaching in there, but I see it's 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 wider than that. I'd hate for somebody to sit there and think that it's just coach because uh, we were on a podcast last week, Deborah, with um, a fantastic guy called David James, and uh, he you know his and he's an expert in in learning, and his take was that. If you bring somebody into the learning room and you say, right now, I'm going to make you all into coaches, uh, his response was, well, no, you're not. That's not my job. And, uh, you know, so it's a, I think it's a really, a really difficult one. Um, I, I think there's elements, elements of coaching, elements of project manager in there. Uh, I, 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 for, for me, I, I wouldn't want to pin all it to one. I, I struggle with with what's wrong with being a servant. What's being wrong with the office of uh, wherever it is in the organisation structure? Um, you know, taking on the responsibility and the accountability to serve the needs of the of customers, the community and the people that you're responsible for. That I think I think the thing I've struggled with a little bit in the last week and a half looking at this is is remembering that responsibility. And I think people tend to, you know, that, that uh, and I always operate full accountability, Deborah. So, so uh, you know, society's got one part to it and the media and all this sort of thing. But, you know, you have to you have to take personal accountability to change um yeah the, the the point i'm trying to say is that i think i think there's nothing wrong with that reminding yourself that it mm. is a responsibility and that you you're only going to be in that position one if you've got people that are willing to follow you and and willing to stay the the, the path and be there for the longer term so i kind of i think there's nothing wrong with the word servant you know yeah. you're meeting I, people's needs i don't think there's anything wrong either but i think you know again this this term seems to offend to offend people to an extent, and I think that I think just acknowledging that and and yeah. and realizing that it's difficult for people, yeah. and then the other thing, and I agree with you about taking accountability, Ian. But I think again, one of the mistakes that we have collectively made is that we are rewarding the wrong things. Yeah, you know, we hire you, we we mm. call you a manager, but we expect you to lead. But everything that's in your KPAs and in your OKRs <laughs> relates to management. It yeah, relates yeah. to planning, organizing, and control. There's nothing. Yeah. I've never seen anyone's KPAs written, oh, you know, help your people be the best they can be. You know, and until we start doing that, yeah, until we point. start changing, you know, and Andy, you're saying, I'm going to turn you into a coach, and then someone turns around and says, it's not my job. Um, newsflash, it is your job. In fact, it is your only job. You know, the better you become at coaching and empowering and enabling, the better your team is going to perform. And I think that we can incorporate, we can learn so much from sports coaches. Um, you know, if you look at those coaches, you know, rugby teams, football teams, um, yes, the team wins the trophy and the coach helped them. But at the end of the day, it was all those players on the field. You know, what mm. was the goal? You want to win the premiership. And as the coach, I can help you get there. I can help you see things that when you're in that scrum and when you're on the field and someone's running with a ball, you you don't see. I can see it from a from a macro level and I can help you. But at the end of the day, you're running out on that field. You're scoring the tries. You're doing, you know, kicking the, 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 the drop goals and all of those things. So I think it's it's starting to understand. And, and, and this is so many separate conversations for us around teams and um and the, the things that we can achieve when we work together but but i think starting to understand that your job as a manager is not to manage it's to lead and it's to empower um and it's to serve your people 
you, you, I think you, we'll get somewhere. You, you manage things, right? You manage tasks yes. and processes. You manage, you manage that, tasks. That's not people. You need people. Yes. Yep. I, I like the idea of, uh, of the icebreaker, the pushing things out of the way so everybody else can just get on with it. Yeah. Yeah, that's that, that, that's the kind of analogy that sticks in my head. So, uh, yeah. I, I, honestly, I think there's so many different parts of the servant leadership, and I, I'm, I'm probably going to come on to it in a minute, actually, because I think there's there's a ton of good stuff here that probably comes into the modern day. Yeah. So, um, well, let, if, let, if let me ask right. you a question. Let yeah, me ask well, you a question, Andy. Let me ask you a question. Let's put you on the spot. Um, why does it apply today, first and foremost, servant leadership as a, as a concept and, and an activity? Why does it apply today? Well, we're going to argue later about who gets the difficult questions in this. OK, um, so uh, <laughs> I, <laughs> I, lo I love the question. I, I think it's more relevant. I think it's got growing relevance because of actually how the world is changing and the, the power and control uh, approach actually is is more difficult than it's been in the past because actually people want to work differently. Deborah, as you just said, right, people want to work in a different way. So actually just doing the, you know, I'm your boss, I'm going to tell you this, I'm going to give you this task and you've got to meet it. That's that, that's an old hat way of doing things. Now, the, the incredible thing is, is that, as I say, Robert Greenleaf wrote his book in 1977 and we're studying this throughout the 70s. And uh, in the 90s, I think it was, he actually set up the Servant Leadership Institute. Amazing, right? Um, but th the fact is that he did that 30 to 40 years ago. Okay. And even this model and saying, this is a new way of leading. Now that's amazing, right? That people are actually seeing this and wanting to actually use it and embrace it. And, and the reason why I, I think, Ian, is that it's, it's more relevant today. I go back to what I said earlier, is about uh, the instilling of growth and autonomy. Okay. And, and the more that you can do that, the more that you can support, the more you can make that the, the go-to place for your employees. So stripping out the layers of communication as to who I have to, ha have to ask in order to do something. I'm going to give you the autonomy, give, give you the empowerment. You can go and make, make this happen yourself. That changes people's businesses overnight. Um, now, as I say, this whole moving away from this dominant thing to this this more sort of a, a managing the information that's more powerful but in in Greenleaf's book and this has been kind of distilled down to five key principles but bear with me on this you, you can take any one of these and I, and I think that, that they're fantastic I'm just going to list a few of them off things like listening understanding um the language that you use uh, the beyond the conscious rationality foresight healing healing right persuasion um community and then lastly, this element of power and authority. Now, if you take all of those and you actually say, well, well, of those, what, what are the common traits? What is it that we actually need in today's environment? You can happily pick four or five of those and say, that's it. That's what we need. And that supports the servant leadership that we've got today. And, and again, I think the reason why it is still it's stick, massive stickability, this one, OK, is is about people. Uh, want to work for those servant leaders and they want to work for those people that they've seen be servants before and what that probably means is that they've worked in the same organization they've seen how they operate they've seen how they've approached problems and they've seen them become a leader because people often start off as the servant and then become the leader those that are actually the leader and trying to be the servant that is a more difficult mix and often they're the ones that don't quite make it so i'm going to say that it is relevant 
more relevant today than it probably even was when Greenleaf came up with this for the simple reason that we're at a different time that people are more acceptable to it. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that makes like, makes a lot of sense to me. Deborah, do you go with that? Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. And I think it speaks to, you know, again, so servant leadership is 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 just slightly younger than I am. So it's, <laughs> it's we've been around for a long time. Um, so I think you know previously we we didn't really acknowledge the human need for the the belonging and 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 feeling seen and heard and you know we didn't recognize the fact that people work that they're motivated by more than just their paycheck. And I think servant leadership for me yeah. very much speaks to where the world is going. In a world where we are able to automate repetitive mundane tasks, you yeah. know, it's going to become more, more and more evident if I'm not able to change with the times and become that servant leader who can remove roadblocks and who can, who can truly bring the humanity back yeah. to work. Um, and and it's it's going to become more and more important, and it speaks to our need to connect with purpose. And mm -hmm. um, yes, I I mean I'm a fan. Well, I I just want to uh, I just want to read out a quick quote. Okay, uh, and it's about this serving from the mentality come from two premises. I serve because I am the leader, and I am the leader because I serve. Mm -hmm. I serve. Yes. Okay, so, so so that that to me is is the summary of this. So I'm going to say that again. I serve because I am the leader, and I am the leader because I serve. Uh, and and I, would, I, I I just add to that, Andy. Um, and yeah, sorry to jumping in, but um, yeah, uh, you, where does the authority come from? Yeah, yeah. It's, it's easy to recognise where power comes from because you're you're provided with it, you're given it in a position, and then it can easily be taken away. But I I think that. You become the leader because you serve. I think that's part of that authority that the, the, the people give you the authority because of how yeah. you've served. Yeah, and yeah. people are more willing to yeah. uh, follow you and come along on that journey. And, and there is also a difference between um, uh, come with me and come and follow me. Mm. Right. There's a difference in those two statements as well. And again, the servant leadership is about the come and follow me rather than come with me. It's about it's about commitment by people as well, isn't it? That yeah. uh, in order for people to actually believe in you, it goes back to what you just said in about that authority. People have got to believe in you. People have got to be absolutely with you on that. Otherwise, you, you've probably got a difficult task there. And you know, there's there's still loads of different case studies, different modern day case studies, not just ones from the 70s and 80s when Greenleaf came out with this, of this actually being in place right now in different companies and people still today setting out on a journey of servant leadership because they see it as as the solution to their problems okay so yeah. uh so that is available for people but um let's talk about resources we, we feel that we've uh, probably got to that point because uh, you know as i say i i've i've read a whole pile of stuff on this and i'm sure that um that you guys have as well but let's let's leave people with uh what we need ian let's start with you what resource have you got for us please um i've just got one i've just got right. one great stuff um and it's um it's a story-based book, and it's just completely got under my skin. So I'm going to say, uh, go read it, go see yourself, go decide what you want to do, right? Right. Um, so it's, it's called The Servant by James okay. C. Hunter. 
And um, yeah, it's just completely got under my skin. So good job, Mr. Hunter. (laughs) Well done. We're going to post all of these resources at the bottom of the uh, the show notes. Uh, Deborah, you mentioned a shameless plug for your book earlier on. But uh, (laughs) now's the point that it's not a shameless plug. It becomes a resource. So uh, tell us about Um, it and any of the resources that you wish to leave us with. So, yes, yeah, so my book does touch a little bit on, on servant leadership and on some of the beliefs around work and motivation and just some of the things that we need to retire and that we need to let go and, and, and how we can really use performance management yeah. to get the best out of our people. You know, it's this mechanism that we are not going to get away from in the workplace and yeah. we might as well use it for good to build good cultures and and to transform teams and to help unleash human potential. So the book is called Talent Liberation and the ebook is available everywhere right now and the soft um, the the paperback, mm-hmm. the soft cover is going to be available from I think it's October, I'm not sure. Wonderful. Um, but my actual resources for people who know a lot more about servant leadership than I do, um, I've got two. One is Simon Sinek. I mean, I think everyone loves him. And and just um, so his book, Leaders Eat Last. And I know that we've previously actually had it as one of the resources on the show. Um, And then there's a a lovely book by Lady um, Cheryl. I forget her surname now, but it'll be in the links. And her book was called Dare to Serve. And it is really her talking about how she took over from Popeye's Louisiana Kitchen. Ah, I don't know if you have Popeye's. In the yes, UK, yeah, yeah, and yes, Popeyes was in a really bad place, and it was. Um, she's very much credited for turning the business around, but how she did that was yeah. actually through servant leadership and through putting her people first. So it's Brilliant. a very interesting read about again what what both of you have spoken about around the business case for servant leadership. That's fantastic. Well, I look forward to uh, having a look at both of those, I'm especially looking forward to your book, Deborah, and uh, we, we might cover that separately in a different podcast, okay? Um, I'm going to uh, leave everybody with uh, Greenleaf's book, and uh, I'm just going to show it to the camera there. There you go. That's the one that you'll need. Uh, it's Servant Leadership, A Journey into the Nature of Legitimate Power and Greatness. Uh, it's a bit timeless. You know, it was written in 77, and quite honestly, you can read it now and uh that there's some amazing stuff in there that absolutely sticks for today. So I encourage anybody that's not got that one, that's really looking for a true reference book to servant leadership to, to go and read that. And please go and read uh, about the, the Hesse's uh, journey to the East, which is where uh, Robert Greenleaf got this whole thing from about Leo the servant, because that again is another uh, bit that I've learned about in the last uh, few weeks about this. And that was quite an incredible thing. So I think one of the books that I might end up getting next is, uh, is probably Hess's Journey to the East. Right. So um, any, but anybody else for any more resources? I've only got one as well today. I, I feel lightweight at the moment. No, I'm, that, that I'm pleased with is, mine. Yeah. And your book packs a big punch. So, OK, yeah. we're, we're good. Let's stick there then in that case. Well, um, Hiten's not with us today, so it's probably a shorter episode. Um, and and we're, we're sad to not have his, uh, his wisdom and his thoughts on board today, but hopefully I've done him justice by including a quote. That's, a quote, that's, yes. Yeah, that's the <laughs> bit I'm hoping that he listens to and realises that that was for him. But uh, meanwhile, uh, Deborah and Ian, thank you for taking part. Thank you as well. Thank you, Andy. No problem, everybody. And uh, we look forward to catching you on the next episode of Leadership, the Future and Tea. Thanks a lot. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening. 
Please subscribe through Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts or Spotify so we can continue to reach more people and spread the message.